We live this thing by faith. We live this life by faith. What does that mean? You know, I've, I've heard often that, like, faith is, is um, I'll give you a story. So I got a sister. Some of y'all know my sister. Her name is Getting. Getting is a very, um, she has a very, yeah, you know Getting. Getting is a, she's, a, she's she, yeah, she's, she, she's, she's her, right? My sister um, really likes pictures. She takes pictures all the time, used to take pictures all the time, and she used to have a camera, right? Uh, she had one of those, uh, you guys remember back in the day, some of y'all really young, I don't know if you remember this, some of the older folk, y'all gonna remember this. You remember when you had to buy the flash separate from the camera? Yeah, remember that? Man, that struggle was real. Because the camera roll was like 12, you could buy it for like 12 or 16 or 24, something like that. And the flashes always came like an 8 a pop, right? Or like 10. So it was always off. And my sister used to have this, but she saved up enough money that she got herself one of the flip flash, where the flash was on the camera itself. This is like 1992. And we were all excited. I was like, oh my goodness, the flash is on the camera, right? And she gave me her camera as a hand-me-down. And of course, you know, I didn't want it because... I can't afford it. How am I going to pay to, I'm like nine years old. I can't, I can't pay for anything, especially extra flash, right? So what do I want? I want to use her camera. And uh, we actually had an event at AUC. This was, man, this reminds me of like my first year at Browning Elementary. I mean, like, yeah, like 1993, 94. And I don't remember who was there, but if I had to guess who was there, I know some of the knuckleheads that probably were there are, are probably in this room, at least one or two of them, right? Right. And so I just remember that I went through this program and uh, I borrowed my sister's camera. And by borrowed, I mean that my mother forced her to give it to me because that's my mom. Right. And so my mother forced her to lend it to me. And my sister, being the good sister that she was, was completely unwilling to do that. And then subsequently informed me that if I lost said camera, that she would kill me. Right. So I was like, OK. So I took this camera, went to AUC and we had this program. And during the service, I took pictures with my friends. I took some pictures with my friends, and, you know, back in the early 90s, like, the way you would take pictures, I don't know how y'all do now, but it was always, like, this sort of posing, you know, like, <laughs> like a whole lot of, but we were, like, 10 years old, so it looks really funny, <laughs> right? And so we took those pictures, and I remember I went upstairs for the program, and I came back down to get my backpack and take off, reached into my backpack, wow, man, reached again into my backpack, reached again, and that's when I knew, like, I was 10 years old, I made it to double digits, it was a good life. Right? I was like, you know what, not everybody gets to make it to, to 10 years old. Like, I did it, I got a decade in, because the camera wasn't there, right? And so I'm stressed because my sister's going to kill me, because she told me she would. And at this point, I'm 10 years old, I still kind of believe that she might, right? Little did I know, but I'm like, man, she might kill me, or she might cause me great harm. And so um, in that moment... I try to put on everything I had learned at church, and church would have informed me that, you know, you got to pray really hard in order to have faith, yeah. right, right? So I was like, yo, I'm going to pray super hard, right? And I started praying hard, and I'm like, Jesus, please make this camera appear. Camera didn't appear, right? So I thought, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll pray. I'll pray some just bold faith, because I thought that faith didn't require, like, boldness, right? And that week, I had been watching a lot of TBS. I don't know if you guys remember TBS in the early 90s. Movies would come on like at 7.05 and 7.25, and they would pay the, play the same movie three times in a row. Well, y'all remember that? It was like, it was like three straight, three straight uh, showings of the same movie, and then eight episodes of Saved by the Bell. And then, <laughs> right, the same, then that same movie again. Right? right? What's up? And so, yo, we're watching this. I mean, all right, so I had been watching TBS that week, and the movie that had been on had been Back to the Future, right? 
So I was like, oh, I get it, God. You want me to pray a bold prayer? I was like, God, please take me back in time so I could find this camera. Take me back in time, and I promise if you do, I promise I won't tell anybody, right? So I'm like praying really hard, and guess what happened? Nothing, right? And this is when I thought, again, oh, the problem with my faith right now is because I'm not believing hard enough. You know, and you know regular belief prayer face? And then you know like hard and Estoy ayunando, I'm fasting prayer face. Right? And so I thought that's what I had to do because faith requires works, right? That's what they told me. In the name of Jesus, right? And I'm telling them, yo, just take me back an hour and I won't tell anybody if you take me back in time. What do you think happened? Well, I told them I wouldn't tell nobody, so. Nah, nah, nah. I didn't go back in time. Nothing happened, right? Now, here's the thing. I'm 10 years old, and I'm distraught. Like, I'm, like my little theological mind is a bit distraught. Like, I'm, I was genuinely perplexed, and I'm genuinely perplexed because I believed. I believed that he could actually take me back in time. I believed he could make the camera pop up. And when it didn't happen according to what I thought he could do, then I was disappointed. But come find out, that's not faith at all. That's just wishful presumption according to my own desire. And see, that sort of positioning of our hearts graduates from 10 years old to being a 30-year-old person where you're hoping that things will turn out the way you think they ought to turn out because, you know, God spoke a word. Well, no, they're not really Adventists, but I'll give them Bible studies and I want it to work because I think I can evangelize them through dating. Please, Lord. Did I hit close to home, or did you not understand what I was saying? <laughs> or, or, or your hope too close, huh? Or, or and listen, well, that's a whole other discussion. We gotta have that one outside. I'm not. I'm anyway. Or you can, Father, how could this thing happen in my life? I had so much faith to believe, and we let our standing before Him be shaken because that which we don't see determines the truth of who He is. That which we don't see actuated through our own desire. Are you digging me? Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? So that then faith becomes the actuation of that which I want to see in my life. But that's not faith at all. And I had to to learn that the hard way. I say I ain't got enough time to break it down, but let me tell you real quick what faith is. Faith is two things. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, right? We'll do the old KJV version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of that which is unseen. One more time, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of that which is unseen. So faith is at least two things. It is one substance, and it is two evidence. It is number one substance, and it is two evidence. It is number one what? And number two, what is substance? This word here that Paul uses, or the author of Hebrews uses in 11 chapter 1, the, that faith is substance, is a really funny word because the word is a philosophical word. It's a fancy word. Paul, Paul is getting fancy in Hebrews. And he's getting fancy because he's talking to fancy people who know the law because the book is, you know, written to Hebrews, right? Y'all ever heard that joke about how you know that God loves coffee? Uh, because he brews. <laughs> 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 I'm here all day. <laughs> so uh, so uh, Paul is getting fancy because he's talking to fancy people, 
And these fancy people need fancy words. So Paul uses this fancy word substance. And substance simply means this. Substance is the word trying to get to this philosophical idea. You ready for it? Substance is the thing that makes all other things a thing. That's the thing. You get it? So substance is the thing by which all other things are a thing. Without that thing, no thing is a thing. But that thing doesn't need other things to be a thing. We together? Jared, we went to school together. Don't you let me down. You following with me? All right, we got Adventist degrees, baby. So substance is the thing by which all other things are built on. Without that thing, nothing else exists. So Paul is saying that faith is built on that thing which makes everything a thing. And the evidence of it is that things actually are. Let me tell you what evidence is. Evidence is a body of information that indicates whether a proposition is true and or valid. Yes, I memorized that. <laughs> evidence is a body of information that indicates whether a proposition is true and or valid. So you look to evidence to determine whether or not a thing is valid. So for instance, if I say Jonathan is wearing brown shoes, that is my proposition, right? What is the evidence that I will offer you? My brown shoes. So I've offered evidence to back up my proposition. It is the body of information that indicates whether a proposition is true or valid. So faith is this, these two things, substance and evidence. And I, want, and I want to give you a practical demonstration of how substance looks, because sometimes people get a little bit caught off guard. I, I need a big, strong man. I need a big, strong, good-looking man. I need a big, strong, good-looking Puerto Rican man. Puerto Rican man. No, no, man, sorry, sorry, man. You ain't Puerto Rican. I need a good, strong, good-looking Puerto Rican man that, that got basketball records. Basketball records, baby. I, I need Cuco. Cuco, come on up, man. Sorry, I, I got to call my homeboy because I see his shoulders from the light. I don't see anything else, just shoulders. Come on up, Cuco. Y'all know, know Francisco Ramos? Give it up for Francisco Ramos. Get on stage, man. You want me? Yo, you know he's on the other side of 30. My dude is walking with a limp. All right, have you worked out recently? You haven't worked out recently? All right, well, you're about to. All right, so listen. Substance. There's a key part of what faith is. Substance is the thing that holds all other things together. We good? So without that thing, no thing is possible. Okay. So if he's substance, he's the thing that makes another thing possible. Without him, I don't exist. I have to depend on him in order to be. You dig? So it's like this, uno, dos, tres, agarrame. So he's, he's, the, he's the thing that makes this thing possible. Without his strength, you better hold on, you better hold on. <laughs> Without his strength, it's going to be a problem. Are your quads burning? A little, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. So this, this is how this works. Are y'all with me? If he drops me, then he ain't really that good of a substance. But that he holds me up, he's the thing. Now I'm just talking extra so his legs burn. Right? 
We together. So then, then here's the question for y'all. Here's the question. Stay with me. What's the thing? You say God, and that's cool, but it's a little more specific than that. John chapter 1 says a little differently. I heard somebody yell it out. In the beginning was the? And the word was? And the word was God. Now, here's what's really fascinating about the word is that how much was made through the word? Everything. And how much was made without him? So that it is through the power of his word that all things hold together. But the power of his word is not only his word spoken. The power of his word is his word lived. And his word lived is an actual person. So that faith itself is not just simply you and I believing. Faith itself is a life lived. But it's not just any life lived. Faith is one life lived. And that faith has a name. His name is Jesus. The one who is saves. And it is through him that all other things are actually what they are. Because without him, no thing could actually be a thing. So it is dependent on his life lived that everything exists. And his life lived is the evidence that he will accomplish that which he says he is in substance. His life lived is the evidence that actually demonstrates that he is who he says he is in substance. Are you guys with me? Yes. Go to Galatians 3.23. It's all right. We're going we to make sense of it real quick. Galatians 3. Uh. Galatians 3, I just want to, uh, this is just to drive the point home. Then I'm going to give you a, a, a good example because I see one brother, he said, one day we're, we're going to get there. Listen, y'all, faith is not, first and foremost, our belief. That's not what faith is. Because, you know, demons believe, right? And they don't have living faith. I wish we could get into that, but I can't. But look at verse 23. You hear me? There it is. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. This is Paul talking to another group of Hebrews. We were imprisoned until coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until, now look who he says. What does he say right there? Until Christ came. So what has he just united together? Faith and Christ are one and the same. In order that we might be justified by, but by whose faith? Go to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12. I hope you all know how to jump in the Bible. Go to Hebrews 12, because the question is, whose faith? Hebrews 12. One and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sing which, e which clings so closely. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and what? Perfecter of whose faith? Our faith. And how is it our faith? Because he gives it to us. Other versions say he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? Because faith is substance walked out in evidence. It is the totality of a life lived in agreement with the word walked out in reality. And the word is him. And he walked out the reality of the word in his life. And as he walked it out in his life, he got a victory that perfected faith. And when he perfected that faith, he went to the cross, went to the grave, resurrected. And as you believe in him, the substance, he is the thing that now via his thingness lets y'all be things because he is. And as you live in connection with the truth of who he is, you are living by faith. Because without him as that thing that has authored and perfected it, you can't actually be a thing. You can't believe on your own strength. Faith is not just, oh, I'm hoping and I'm wishing. Faith is a solid confidence that the thing, substance, has actually done what he said he would do, and he's demonstrated it in evidence so that then you and I could put our hope and our trust in that and know it's unmovable. Are you with me now? So then let me go back all the way to the beginning. I'm going to wrap it up. So then what is our relationship to sin? What is our relationship to sin as Christians? Go back with me to Romans 6. If faith is the person of Jesus and he is the substance, he is the substance. Man, how can I explain that? Listen, y'all, substance is the very material by which all reality is. I don't know how else to like to get there. Like, without him, nothing is. Right? Like, without him, nothing is. Period. And that's one of those sentences where you can sit down and just be like, what the heck? Right? You ever try to think about eternity? You ever do that? Doesn't that hurt your head? It hurts my head. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm going to get bored in heaven after like a billion years. Right? But this is one of those type sentences that without him, nothing is. Watch this. He is the substance. You got to get this. Where were we? Romans 6. I'll finish with Romans 6 for the sake of time. Romans 6. We finished with verse 7 last time, right? Before we sang. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, Romans 6 verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Look at what substance is done. Look at verse 9. We know, because we got evidence, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death has no longer any dominion over him. What does that mean? That means that he always is. He can never be undone. He is the substance that makes everything else go. And as long as he is, so is everything else that's connected in and through him. So as long as he is, so are we. So as he is in this world, so are we. Sound familiar? 
so that death has no hold on him. Keep reading. For the death he died, he died to sin. Listen, y'all, when we die, what do we die to? No, 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 no. When, when we die at the end of our lives, what do we die to? We die to life. Death, death simply means a separation, right? And the separation is between body and whatever breath of life is within us, right? At death, there is a separation. Stay with me. Stay with me. You got to get to stay with me. Turn your brains on. When Jesus Christ died, he did not die like other humans. Because when we, if we die, we die and we're separated body from spirit. Jesus relinquished his spirit because he was dying a deeper death. And this, this death is that he was dividing his very substance. He was dividing substance from sin and death. So that in his body, because of the way he lived and walked it out, the evidence, he was able to separate humanity from sin and death itself. So when he goes to the grave, he dies to sin. Sin has no hold on him. If you need another verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, let me ask you a question before I tell you this verse. If you had to touch sin, what do you think it would feel like? What do you think it would feel like if you had to touch sin? Dirty, dirty. dirty, right? Well, let me tell you that there's never been a time where sin has actually been material where you could touch it. Because sin isn't material like that. There's actually been only one time in history where that's actually happened. You know where it happened? At the cross. Because the Bible says not that Jesus just carried our sins. He became sin. And as he became sin, think about this. As he became sin, what do you think his mind was suffering? What do you think his idea of faith was being troubled by? How do you think Jesus felt when his father shielded himself from him and he was in complete darkness and he felt that he had become so vile that he was absolutely disconnected from his father, never to see life again? Have you ever felt that bad for sin? No. But watch the trick here. As he's there in the fullness of becoming sin, as he's feeling all of this, yet, yet he will not relinquish his identity and who he is to his feelings because the word has said otherwise. And the word is the substance that creates all things. And the word is the power that holds all of reality together because through the word, things become. So it doesn't matter how you feel in a moment. If the word has said better things, you believe the word. And as you believe the word, you are separated from sin and you rise in the victory of faith that Jesus accomplished at the cross, becoming sin for us so that he might rise in resurrected power and give it to us as a gift. We live through him that way. He separated humanity from sin and rose up victorious as the emblem of all reality. That's why he is the word of God, the logos. Logos means the cipher. He unlocks all of reality. And you and I, through faith, have the privilege of living through him. What do I mean through faith? I mean that my life is set on his word, not how I feel. So that if his Bible says 
Romans 6.11, therefore count yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. What do you think I think about myself? If his word tells me, Romans 6.11, therefore count yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ, how do you think I live? I don't live as a sinner condemned. I lived as the son by faith, through grace, through him who loved me. And it don't matter how I feel. That's what living by faith is like. That's what living by faith is like. And the question that I have when I travel around, listen, y'all, this here ain't a game. This is about living life in authority and power and dominion. This is about not gathering at these events, although these events are great and we need them because they encourage us. We need to gather. And I'm blessed that we can gather like this. But this is not the end. This is a starting point. Or this is somewhere where we meet along the way in order to gather together to encourage so that we might live by faith outside of these walls. Do you know what it is to live with authority and dominion with the spirit of God so that when you meet somebody on the way, you can speak life into them? Because you know 100% who you are, and because you know who you are, you know who they are. Do you know what it is to just have a random encounter with somebody and bless them in the name of Jesus and not need to turn them into an Adventist, but treat them as a son or a daughter of God because that's what they are? Now, you clap. And that's good. Clap. But do you know that life? Do you know that life of absolute holiness that you live with the purity of heart and mind that keeps you connected to your father so that you move in Holy Spirit power because you're living by faith and not by feeling? Because you know he's substance and his life lived is the way I live because he's given it to me. Do we live that way? And this is what I want to encourage y'all. And maybe the next session that I speak, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, how to put this thing on. Yo, this is our call as Christians, y'all. Not because we're hoping for something, but because we have something. We are free. We do have the faith of Jesus. We could walk out according to him who is the thing. And we could walk this life out and let our lives be even more and more evidence about the certainty of the word he speaks. I'll tell you one story, and then I'll say amen. So um, I had a guy who uh, was an intern of the ministry I run in, in Hawaii. And he's telling me straight up, he says, yo, Jonathan, I got, we're having this conversation. We're like, yo, I have this darkness within me. And he tells me that at one point in his life, he actually asked Satan to come into his life. And like my man is actually manifesting like really dark demonic sort of traits. And we're in this kitchen. And my man is going, and I don't know what to do. Like, he's beginning to manifest in a way that's making me really uncomfortable. I actually had another encounter in California where another kid had told me that he had asked Satan to come into his life. And he's like, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I was like, hoo hoo. <laughs> and we went into a back room, and he's telling me, he's like, yo, I gave my And when he said that, he, like, starts getting like, and then I, and when he started rising up, I was like, oh, my goodness. And I left. Like, I left. Like, I, I fled. Yes, yes, I fled. This, this was years ago, right? But I, I got shook 
and I took off. You know why I got shook? Ralph, man, nice to see you. I got shook because I wasn't living by faith. I was living via theology and religion. So then this next time with this encounter, I had been flirting with faith a little bit, and I had some wherewithal, and like homeboy's talking to me, and I see that now a spirit begins to manifest, and I'm like, uh, at this point, I'm just like, I'm praying over him, and I'm like, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And the thing doesn't fully manifest, but I don't fully walk in power because I don't know what, I kind of have an idea what it is, but not fully. So that kind of just dissolves and the moment dissipates. It was really, really weird, right? But I knew there was this dark spiritual thing. I prayed out in Jesus. It kind of like left. It felt like it was really put on pause. So you got this first experience with the kid in California, which I fled from. I was like, I'm out. Then you had the second experience where this guy starts manifesting, and I stayed there, but I was like, ugh, right? Then you had this third experience. This third experience, same guy from the second store, from the, the one in the kitchen, not the one in California. He starts manifesting again. This time he starts manifesting, like, telling us that when he had given himself over to Satan. and We're like, all right. So me and my homeboy are in there, and we're like, yo, we're going to pray. We're like, all right, we're going to pray. Yeah, we're going to pray. So he's like, I need to get this thing out. I feel it, right? And as he's feeling now he's getting all weird. Stuff is starting to come out of his face. It got funny. And so me and my homeboy, we lay hands on him. We lay hands on him, and we start praying in the power of Jesus. We start praying the truth of who this kid is in Jesus and the truth of the authority that we have. Now, we're sitting. He's on the couch. Like, say he's facing y'all. I'm on his right-hand side, and I'm kind of like kneeling, got my hands on him. My homeboy's on the other side, and he's got his hands on him as well. And as I'm praying, I'm praying in confidence and in power, right, but just, just going for it. All of a sudden, my homeboy on the other side, he says, in the name of Jesus. He wasn't even praying at the time. But he just starts, in the name of Jesus. And I feel him. I sense him stand up because I hear his voice audibly travel because I got my eyes closed. In the name of Jesus. I open up an eye because I'm like, what is going on? I see him and he's standing over this dude. And now he's speaking with an authority that he didn't have a second ago. And he says, in the name of Jesus, come out. I see you. Come out. Old Jonathan, without faith, would have been like, <laughs> but see, I learned that it wasn't about how I felt. I learned that it was about the finished work of Jesus Christ and claiming the blood and walking in power and authority because his faith is in me through spirit and that that faith is finished and I have the privilege of living through it because he is substance and the evidence that I need that I get to live through is the fact that he's alive. So all of that presses in the moment. So as my homeboy rises up, I rise up too. And now I'm praying in agreement with him. And my man speaks in authority over this thing. says, I see you. In the name of Jesus, you relinquish him. You have no right over him. My man that's sitting there getting prayed over, all of a sudden just starts snotting and things coming out. Opens his eyes and he's like, I'm free. I'm free. And me and my homeboy, we're standing like, yeah, yeah, high-fiving and everything, right? Why do I say this story? 
Because this here thing is for real. This here thing is for real. And if you don't know who you are, you ain't really in the game. You're still in deception. Because the Father has sent Jesus Christ to reveal the truth about who you are. He's removed sin so that he could reveal your value so that you could walk and live through faith. And faith is not hopeful wishing that you might be better tomorrow than when you were today. Faith is the absolute certainty and confidence that he who has spoken his word is true. So that when you're faced with circumstances like a demon in your living room, you rise up in confidence. Not because of what you've done, but because you're 100% sure about what he's spoken. This is how we live. And it don't need to be a demon because we don't chase that stuff. It's the circumstances of life. Oh, my girl broke up with me. Well, all right, well, feel bad about it, but then rise back up because feelings aren't Lord and he's still good. I didn't get into school I wanted to. That don't matter. You're still a child. You rise up and look through the right perspective, and you live with confidence and authority. Because there's never been a time where I've seen the, 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 the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. But you got to know you're righteous. You got to know you're righteous. We need to get the spirit of religion up off of us that positions us as less than, and we got to receive the truth of the word that says we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, and we live that. That's faith in Jesus' name. Will you receive who he says you are by faith? Will you receive who he says you are by faith? This is how love is awakened, y'all. He speaks love over us and awakens it within speaks it over us and awakens it within. Let us live by faith, free through him who has loved us. Father God, I pray for these people right now. I pray in this moment that there might be some decisions being made. There might be a gospel being heard that hasn't been heard before. There might be some truths that are being uh, 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 just presented that might be a little different. Father, I pray in this moment that your spirit might come in and might establish the truth of who you say we are and that we might live it through faith, that we might know we're free from sin in Christ, that we might know that we have the privilege of living through you because of who you are and that we could put on this truth by faith, to live by faith, free by faith, sons and daughters by faith, clean, redeemed, liberated by faith. So Father, right now as hearts are receiving this truth, I pray that you might give us a spirit of repentance, that we might be illuminated and turned from the deceitfulness of the lie of sin, a lie that would sell us short. But it's a lie that you came to expose and you exposed it by living a life that is the faith that we now have the privilege to claim. So, Father, I pray for God encounters right now, each and every single person, young and not so young, that your spirit might reveal and illuminate who they are. And whoever it is right now, Father, that you're putting on my heart, that they might have the confidence to know that their past does not determine who they are, that the actions that they committed just a week ago says nothing about the value that you've always seen in them from before the foundation of the world. A week ago doesn't determine what you spoke at the beginning, and it never will. 
So whoever that is right now, in the name of Jesus, your past doesn't determine the future that he's spoken about you from ages past, from the beginning. So, Father, be with these hearts that gospel might be received and that who you are might come to fruition in us by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.